Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle-Earth saga is still, nearly 100 years after its debut, arguably the most preeminent high fantasy property in pop culture. With numerous books, two blockbuster film trilogies, some charming animated adaptations, video games, and an upcoming Amazon Prime TV series. From the Shire to the Misty Mountains, Tolkien's world remains fertile soil for creators nearly 50 years after his death. Now, in advance of the new Rings of Power series coming to Amazon Prime in September 2022, the great pop culture debate wants to determine who is the best character from Tolkien's two flagship properties, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I don't know half of you half as well as I'd like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome my fellowship of the pod for this episode. This panelist is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. It's Bob Erlenbeck. You're right, Eric. I come precisely when I mean to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, go on then. Keep your secrets. Straight from second breakfast, 11 Z's, and afternoon tea, it's Michael Schwartz. Eric, do you know how hard it is to find Weight Watchers in the Shire? I just eat my potatoes. I boil them, <laughs> I mash them, I stick them in a stew. And finally, our special guest star for this episode, as loyal as Samwise, but with a hairline that rivals Gollum, it's friend of the pod, Zach Derby. Clayton! Clayton! <laughs> oh, geez. Sorry, guys. I That was weird. That was We're recording weird. a podcast, right? Oh, wow. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Keep this man away from shiny objects. But uh, I want to say, seriously, Zach, you've been a wonderful supporter of us, and thank you for recording with us Filthy Hobbitses tonight. So we appreciate oh, it. I would not have my Wednesday any other way. Thank you. So how does this work? For this mini-sode, we actually did a Make a Public Poll featuring just about every significant named character from The Lord of the Rings and Hobbit series. We didn't discriminate between books or film adaptations, and we included characters that were only featured in one or the other. Note that we did not include characters from The Silmarillion or other Tolkien works because we were strictly looking at Lord of the Rings slash Hobbit for this debate. We received roughly 25 votes, ranked the choices by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. (laughs) Want to play along at home? Go to greatpopculturedebate.com and find the polls and brackets tab. There you'll find the list bracket for this and every episode make a copy for yourself fill it out and see if your picks line up with yours now before we begin i want to ask my panelists how did you first become attached to tolkien's middle earth saga i'm going to start with bob of course you love to start with bob alphabetical (laughs) okay great um for me when i was god it goes back for a a while now because i was in high school when i finally did read the hobbit and it was a book that i was always aware of and people had always talked about um or i'd always heard it's like oh it's one of those great books that's out there um and i was not really into a ton of fantasy up until that point um i'm gonna guess i was probably like eighth ninth, 10th grade, somewhere around that, that point when I finally read it. And I just really fell in love with it. It, um, it was the first time again, that I'd ever really read anything fantasy related. It was very interesting and different from anything I had, I had ever read before. I didn't know what a Hobbit was before I picked up the book. And I, I learned very quickly, obviously what a Hobbit was when I, when I started reading it. So I'm like, Oh, a Hobbit's a, 
a, like a person, like a hobbit is a, isn't. I thought it was like some sort of like portal or some shit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I didn't really have a lot of experience in fantasy other than I guess like a Final Fantasy video game, but that is very very different from from this kind of fantasy. I think. Um, in in some regards so but that's really how i became um aware of it was first reading the hobbit some at some point in probably junior high or or, or high school um and really kind of falling in love with it and not expecting to mm-hmm. um so that's really um for me that's how it happened great michael how about yourself so my entry into the whole tolkien universe actually is kind of like three-pronged ish you know i I am a founding member of the Gen X Nerd Club and have been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I was about 12 years old. Um, but when I was about started playing, I also really started to read like an adult. And I got into science fiction first with Asimov and fell in love with all of that. And now I am playing Dungeons and Dragons and missing like this whole fantasy component of it. Um, so I accidentally i believe i'm not even quite sure i saw the 1977 cartoon version of the hobbit and i'm like oh this sounds really cool so of course me being the nerd that i am decided that i really needed to read the original source material well that didn't last long so it was the hobbit and then it was all of the lord of the rings and then it was the similarian and then you know i just devoured all of the Tolkien universe as quickly as possible as a teenager and that just opened me up to like that's 90% of what I read right now is science fiction and fantasy. And this is all Asimov and Tolkien's fault at this point. So I, you know, chalk up my lack of social skills and social, you know, interactions with people to them. So thank you both. And anyone who knows Michael knows that is a, a, Bold faced lie because he's one of the most social and gregarious people I've ever met. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, how about you? So uh, my father had a copy of uh, The Hobbit when I was growing up, and I remember reading it at a very young age, and uh, I I loved it. Did not really know much about Lord of the Rings until later on. I, I discovered the 1978 Acid Trip, uh, the Lord of the Rings animated film. If anyone yeah. has seen that, yeah. uh, that that is an interesting. Um, film and then it kind of stops halfway through the story and then i I never got into the books but then when peter jackson went through and did what i think is a splendiferous job uh with with his movies that really sparked my interest in the films getting the extended editions going inside how much you know they put into the movies and in the world because tolkien created mm. such an incredible world and people have wanted to capture that again so that that's how my process into the universe went yeah and i have to say say what you will it's generations that have been kind of captivated by this material now i mean it started mm-hmm. in the 50s so you you kind of had that beginning group then it was our parents then it was our generation with the films and now you know they've got a whole new generation that they'll be hopefully grabbing with this amazon series there's it's just a very there's something about these characters that really resonate with people in a very profound way um like michael i also got into it initially by seeing the 1977 um animated adaptation by rankin bass which i just recently re-watched on amazon because i was, was like how does this hold up and you know, it's charming. I'll say that. Um, it has very stylized animation, that voice acting. Um, the, it has really unforgettable music. It's kind of like John Denver, but like uh, even more folksy. And um, it it just entranced me. It really did. As a kid, I remember sitting there watching being like, what is this? And I thought um, it, it just, I, I didn't end up 
reading a ton of high fantasy after that. I was reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I was reading the Oz series as a kid. But then again, like Zach, with the uh, movies by Peter Jackson, I remember following when they were filming them through the various gossip sites and thinking, this is really ambitious. And I thought he killed it with that first trilogy. Second trilogy, maybe not so much, but that first trilogy <laughs> mm-hmm. is amazing. And so at that point, I went and started actually reading the books. Loved Fellowship. And then I kept getting stuck in Two Towers, which is so weird because that's my favorite of the three original movies. I can't explain it. Uh, The book just keeps losing me in a place, and I don't know why. Um, But that being said, let us get on to these actual debates. Currently, the panel is set to advance one seed Aragorn, a.k.a. Strider. But Bob wants to take us on an unexpected journey by pushing for Hobbit protagonist Bilbo Baggins a four seed. Michael, why should Aragorn ride into round two? Bob, why should Bilbo sneak his way into the next round? I'm going to start with Michael. So... I mean, one of the things that we can always look at when we talk about Tolkien and we look at the Lord of the Rings is really about what archetypes are these characters representing? Because, I mean, when he wrote these, that is just very much about, like, the whole universe that he's creating. And Aragon is our leader. He is kind of that that strong warrior type that, you know— Heir of Isildur, you know, King of Gondor, uh, last of the Dunedain for the of the Rangers and everything like that. He represents such a powerful image in these novels and in the films themselves um, for you that there's a lot that won't happen in the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy without Aragon. Aragon being there, um, he is such a, a crucial point in keeping the party together letting the party split apart when it's absolutely necessary and for the best for everybody that he does. He makes these decisions that impact the lives of everybody in the entire universe for it. I think that there are times, depending on how you want to look at it, that he can be more impactful to the Fellowship of the Ring, to the storyline itself than even Gandalf himself is. That, you know, he represents such goodness in this entire universe that he is, that absent him, we might as well just give the ring to Sauron and move on from there. I mean, the way I look at him is he's kind of mankind's salvation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the way I've always looked at that character. He's, he's I'm not going to go so far as saying he's a Christ analog, but I do think, like, your ancestor screwed it up. Well, no, his ancestor did not screw it up, correct? His ancestor well, no. is the one who— Isildur became became selfish. You know, if if Isildur had just destroyed the ring on Mount Doom after they had defeated Sauron in battle, none of the rest of this would have happened. Right. So, So, like, his ancestor represents this whole selfishness, and then Aragon is the redemption story for, for mankind. He is the leader of men in this entire universe. Right, right. So that's that. I agree with that, Bob. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Talk to me about Bilbo. Well, I don't think it's an unexpected journey to pick Bilbo or to to think that Bilbo is important in this. It was. I I thought this was a, an interesting pairing to come right out of the gate with us um, for this yeah. debate because these are two very integral characters in whole. Like they're two very important characters to to everything about it. There is a book called The Hobbit. And the <laughs> Hobbit is Bilbo Baggins. Um, 
Um, so, <laughs> really? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, it is really for me. I think it goes back to a little bit about what I said about how I came to this series is I find Bilbo as a, as an entryway to fantasy for myself, for others, for children. Um, the Hobbit is more of that children child geared book versus the Lord of the Rings, which has that more mature um, feel to it. And, and Bilbo is in those two, but um, I feel as though he's that kind of gateway drug to, to fantasy for a lot of folks. And I think he's really important. He is certainly unlikely. Um, but he, what I love about him as a character and, and I, I think everything you said about Aragorn was absolutely accurate, right, Michael? I think it's all very true. Um, yeah, I'm right. But, well, let's not go so far as to say that just yet. But, um, you know, with with Bilbo, he he really is very interesting to me because he's like, you know, he's tired of this kind of just like pedestrian life living in the living in the Shire, living in his whole hobbit hole. And he just goes out and does this this adventure. Right. Um and it's just like, you know, fuck this. I'm, I'm going to go out and have this this unexpected journey and um, I'm going to write a book about it. And um, to me, it was kind of just like, fuck this life. I'm going to I'm going to go do this and, and have this have this have this journey. Um, Aragorn is really, for me, boring. Um, he, he's kind of re- obviously the reluctant king piece to to those things. Um, I just find it very boring and kind of tiresome a little bit. Um, I just don't find him as interesting or as fun or as really um, engaging as, as I do with Bilbo Baggins. And I think there's some pop culture relevance to Bilbo too, that Aragorn doesn't necessarily have. I doubt anybody would have been able to name Aragorn or, or outside of you, Michael, and, and people that are really into that, that, that fantasy stuff, right? Um, people would have been able to name Bilbo Baggins or the Hobbit, or would talk about the Hobbit or Bilbo or, um, you know, referenced in movies or referenced in, um, you know, anybody who's, who's, you know, short that you want to make a joke about, Oh, look at that Hobbit over there. <laughs> so, um, but that's my argument rep- for Bilbo. And, and no. we talked about not going long-winded, but I just did, but whatever. <laughs> well, no, and I can understand that, Bob. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm just going to jump in here, too. And I think that one of the things that makes Bilbo attractive to a lot of people is his relatability and the mm-hmm. fact that a lot of people want to want to relate in the fish out of water, stepping outside my box, living a life different than what's pre- been preordained for us kind of you know argument for it. But in the end, I think that whether it was... Bilbo, or if Tolkien had written another character and it hadn't been Bilbo, there still would have been somebody in that place whose only responsibility in the entire storyline a lot of the times is discovering the ring and bringing that back into this entire universe. That's the that's the part that Bilbo plays in, in this. And I think that that's an important part of it because without that, we don't get the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But beyond that, there is growth in there, just like there is with every single character in the Lord of the Rings universe. There is some growth in there for him, but I don't think that it's as integral or as overarching as what you get from Aragorn a lot of the time. And sure, and I think that's I think that's true too, Michael. But I I also am thinking when I think about approaching like the best character in this scenario, right? Like I, I think that Aragorn absolutely is so integral and so important to to the Lord of the Rings to that trilogy, um, to that piece of it. Um, when I think about like who I find more enjoyable or more interesting or more um, you know more interesting or fun character or 
or something that I would think is as the better character. I just really think that for me, I guess um, when it comes to Bilbo, he has that struggle with the ring in in the Lord of the Rings, and I found that all very interesting about his inability to give up the ring, his you know putting it back in his pocket sort of thing. Um, I just found that struggle for a character to be very interesting, and I know that Aragorn has struggles too, and he has conf- conflicts within so. him with him within himself as well. Um, but I think that this is the thread that that brings us through from the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings. I think this is the thread again that helps us get the gateway into the fantasy and and help introduce us. And he's really, to your point, relatable. He's us in this scenario, right? Um, and us having the adventure that we might want to have. So. That's my, those are my final words, I guess. I want to get to Zach's opinion on this, but one of the things that occurred to me while Bobby, you were talking about Bilbo is, you know, he, he ditched his life and he said, that's it. I'm going on a vacation on my own adventure. And I thought to myself, he was the Beyonce break my soul of his time. Well, he's been to paradise, but he's never been to him. So he needed to go. (laughs) He needed to do it. Zach, where are you on this one? Uh, This is tough because both characters, I think are um, for each of their groups, they are a, a grounded person that you can kind of connect with. Bilbo started it all. Um, I I lean more towards Aragorn and Strider just because I, I've experienced more of his character and I've seen more growth and more of what he has done for the Fellowship over a trilogy. Uh, compare if Bilbo had as much time, maybe I'd feel differently. But for me, I tend to side with with Aragorn on this one. Not taking anything away from Bilbo and what he what he did and accomplished with his character, but I go with Aragorn. Um, I I was talking with with Bob about this earlier, which is a bad idea. We call that burning pod, and I should never do that, but I did. And he was like, "Why are you voting for Aragorn over Bilbo in round one?" And I was like, "Between Bilbo and Frodo, I'm Team Frodo every time." He's like, "But he's not up against Frodo," and that's correct. He's not in this, but I can't not compare the two of them as protagonists for these series. Mm-hmm. And to me, Bilbo crawled so Frodo could flee from. Shay loves layer you know what i mean like I, and i'm i'm not knocking bilbo I, I i i i do like him i i think everything that bob said is true but everything that bilbo does frodo does in a much more evocative way for me like he, he's not but the only thing that bilbo does that frodo doesn't necessarily do bilbo is a conscience in a band that desperately needs one and Frodo does not really have that role, right? Um, he is more the responsibility. But I, for that reason, we don't have anyone else who's like Aragorn on this list. Bob, you wanted to... Can I throw one one more thing out to appeal to Michael real quick? There is a song called The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins by Leonard Nimoy from Star yes. Trek. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, that is true. That is true. And, <laughs> and it's amazing. It is amazing. We, we do not need to it bring is. up my previous best Star Trek character podcast here, really. I saw, I'm better about that one, too. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Bob, but I do believe that is three fine. to one. Uh, Mr. Baggins will be going back to Bag End, and Aragorn will advance to round two. Next, Elf Queen Galadriel, a two-seed, is poised to advance over doomed human warrior Boromir, a three-seed. Zach, why are you drawing back your bow for Boromir? I will use a scrying pool and try to see a future in which Galadriel makes round two. I'm going to have Zach go first. First of all, one does not simply make a list of the best Lord of the Ring characters without mentioning Boromir. All right. (laughs) He has given us so many memes. But beyond that, um, he is... He's kind of 
the everyman. He's relatable. He shows us a lot of ways of what we wish we could be confident, brave, able, but yet we are, we are flawed. And he shows how powerful the ring's influence is because he is, you know, he starts to, um, starts to succumb to it, but also he shows how strong Frodo's constitution is as, uh, as its bearer. Uh, you know, he, he, when he starts to succumb to the ring and he starts to fall under its power, he still wants to use it to the be- for the best reasons. He wants to use it against Sauron. He doesn't realize that is a flawed approach to it. But ultimately, when push comes to shove, when his friends are, are potentially going to be killed, he, he comes back, he snaps out of it, he comes back around, and he defends his companions in the face of the Urukai. Unfortunately, he he passes away. Of, you know, being played by Sean Bean was kind of a, a death sentence there. Yeah, kind of kind of knew that going into it. Um, but what really spoke to me about his character is at the end when he's dying and he's talking with um, Aragorn, he thinks he has failed. He's feeling like he has failed Frodo. He's failed Samwise, and Aragorn. Aragorn reassures him no you did what i couldn't you let them go and what you were i think getting back to michael about aragorn is aragorn knows when to keep the party together and when to let it split and this was a part where aragorn knew all right we need to separate the party this is the best way to save the responsibility that is frodo but that wouldn't have happened without aragorn without uh, boromir uh acting like he did <laughs> even though it's I would. I don't like seeing him fall as a human, but he did have an arc, although it wasn't as great as Aragorn's. He had an arc, and it continued into the second movie, right? Like it, it kind of his death inspires other actions that then lead to further actions. I do love Boromir. To me, he's actually one of my favorites in the Fellowship. I think I kind of like. Oh God, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. I might like Boromir <laughs> more than I like Gimli, and I like Legolas. I oh think he, wow! I do. I think he has more of an actual character, as you pointed out. There's there's flaws there. He's very mm-hmm. human, right? Like he's really really complex, and I think. Um, you see so many different shades of him and just um, the sacrifice that comes after being so close to betraying the trust of his of his group. I think it's really powerful. And and I, I think he's great. Unfortunately, he's up against Galadriel. I know. That, that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if, if it wasn't the oral cry that killed him, it was motherfucking Galadriel. And this yeah. you're up. You are here <laughs> debating with three homosexuals, and we are going to rep for our strong elven sisters. Because um, <laughs> we have, like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, exactly two female characters in the 16 bracket. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't have many more than that in the actual entire franchise. Um, but I will say that even with all of that aside, if I'm talking about what makes the best character for me, and this is different for everybody, we always say this, what your rubric is. For me, the best character is something that's interesting and unique to Lord of the Rings. Boromir is a really great character, but I've seen that type of a um, concept in other fantasies. Galadriel is fascinating like instantly captivating she is mysterious she is brilliant she is powerful she is beguiling she is 
terrifying. Um, she rules Lothlorien like a boss compared to that drip of a husband who knows his place. <laughs> but she's also a very thoughtful gift giver. And um, I'm just going to say these words. This is my argument. All shall love me and despair. That is my grinder bio. And, I mean, <laughs> what else do I have to say? Bob, where are you on this one? I'm with everything you just said about Galadriel, and I'll save any additional thoughts for future rounds to, in hopes of continuing her journey in this. But um, I will say that she is probably the character I quote the most from this series. Um, I will often, well, very often say that I will go into the West and I will diminish. Exactly. So. <laughs> Anytime I finish a large project, that's the, I will go into the West and diminish every time. Um, and like I, I right now, even at my office i'm just like the quest stands upon a knife's edge like that's where we are uh michael where are you pissed off at the two of you for stealing both of the lines that i wanted to use <laughs> so yeah i mean i i'm of course i'm going to be with galadriel and i i mean i think that what you two just said that you know all shall love me in despair and that i have passed the test is the argument that we use to show what tops what um what uh, Zach was talking about with Boromir in terms of Boromir was tempted, carried through on the temptation, and then realized his, his, his problem too late, whereas Galadriel always knew what the problem was, was strong enough to resist, even when Frodo, I mean, even, yeah, even when Frodo was offering her the ring, she was able to stand the test of time and recognize what that would be. Having worn one of the three elven rings of power, she knew what this was going to be like and was like, nah, I'm good. And I, I will say that obviously we have not started to see the rings of power yet. As we record this, it's about a month mm. away. But it does appear that we will be getting more of like young Galadriel's journey and seeing her because uh, canonically, like she's one of the few people that saw through Sauron when he was mm -hmm. making and handing out the rings. And she's like, yeah, n do not trust that man. That is not a real Gucci. That is from some back alley <laughs> vendor in Chinatown. Um, it's like, a fake Fendi. Exactly. It's a fake <laughs> Fendi. This is a woman who's got her mind on her money and her money on her mind. And I respect <laughs> that. Um, so it sounds like it's three for Galadriel, one for Boromir. You did a great job defending Boromir um, and nothing but respect to our legend. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I kind of like Boromir now. Yeah, I think he's great. I, like, even though he's arguably a bad guy for most of Fellowship, like, by the end, and by the way, his death what? sequence is epic. It is, and mm -hmm. I would like to just say that I don't think Barmir's not a bad person. He's just a dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's got yeah. he's got that he's got that sense of entitlement, mm -hmm. you know, since his you know father was steward of Gondor. But he's not a bad person. He's just he's he's just entitled. I mean, can you leave my boyfriend out of this? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, one final thing on this, and then maybe this is just me, but in that battle with the Orukai there, where he's pulling uh. back the bow in that final moment, there is something about the look on that Orukai's face that is so haunting and like just pure malice. God, Peter Jackson did a good job with those movies. But anyway, oh, thank, yeah. 
Thank you so much, Zach. You did a great job. Uh, next up, two unanimous victories as four-seed Treebeard pulled an upset, pruning the chances of one-seed Faramir, and three-seed Legolas worked his elvish magic on book-only favorite Tom Bombadil, a four-seed. I know Bob wants to discuss Tom Bombadil because he has very intense feelings about this. Bob, what do you what do you think? I, I yeah, I guess the intensity of I, I can't stand him. <laughs> I read uh, when I read the. Um, the Fellowship of the Ring, and I was reading this chapter about Tom Bombadil. I'm like, what is this? What is happening right now? This is so pointless and boring and off to the side. And I was just like, oh, wow. And to come to find out that he has like a cult following out there that people like are obsessed with Tom Bombadil. He had his own book apparently at one point. Uh, Michael, I'm not sure if you've read it. No, I haven't. No. Yes, yeah, I can't. Something of Tom Bombadil. There, he has his own oh, story yeah. or his own book. I think he he might be in some other tale as well. Um, but I did, as I was preparing for this um, podcast, as we do research, as we often do here, um, I heard that or I read through like there was this scholar that really identified or, or or like took a look at Sauron and Tom Bombadil, and Tom Bombadil is like the opposite or or the anti-Sauron. Um really he's like free of desire to dominate, hence he can't be dominated. And um he really the ring has no effect on him. Um he that's that's really not his shtick at all. Um it's kind of like the exact opposite direction of Sauron, which I thought was interesting. Um but I was like if if that's gonna be a comparison and the scholar's gonna look at this and, and pull that out, I'm like, well, why isn't he in more of it then? Um if that's where Tolkien was going. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but I don't know. I just thought it was I thought it was interesting, but I was just like, God, this character seriously? Um and that's it. There you have it. There you have it. A minute and a half of hate on Tom Bombadil. I love that. <laughs> um, I will say I was shocked that Faramir was a one seed. Like, yeah, that really I mean, it wasn't we didn't have a huge turnout for this particular <clears throat> poll, which is fine. But a one seed for Faramir, yo, like what's going on? That 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 just shocked me. But, I, you know, I guess he's pleasant. Well, in the end, it's like Faramir and Boromir are like opposites of each other in a lot of ways, where Boromir is so aggressive. Faramir is a little bit more, he's still like, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use here. He's a little bit more stand back. He's not a forefront kind of person. He takes everything that his father uh, spits at him during it. Um <laughs> God, I can't even. Is he a little bit thought. country, and Boromir is a little bit rock and roll? There we go. Thank you, Bob, for rescuing me once again. I, I think that's a very good. I just think he's. Like, you, you said it. He's the opposite of Boromir. Boromir is interesting, and Faramir is fine. He's there. He's a, he's a, he's a plot tool. Yeah, he's. he's yeah. He exists. So with that out of the way, three quarters of the panel felt a fellowship with ring bearer Frodo Baggins, a one seed, but Zek is ride or die for warrior woman Eowyn, a four seed. Bob, use your sting to cut a path for Mr. Frodo. Zach, explain why it should be ladies first in the case of Eowyn. I'm going to have Bob go first. Alrighty then. Um, so a lot of the things that I already argued for Bilbo, I think could also be attributed to Frodo. I think he is very much a stand in um, for us at sometimes at some points as as the, the reader or the viewer. Um, he is very much um, 
kind of out of his element and swept along into this journey, this exciting journey. And I, I find him very interesting. I think where he, I think you brought some points up of where he differs from Bilbo. Um, with Frodo, he is so interesting that he just kind of gets just swept into this. He doesn't willfully kind of just say, I'm going to have this adventure. Um, he really kind of gets put into this duty um, with regards to be having ownership of this ring, which he never intended or knew existed in the first place. And immediately upon receiving it is like, uh, by the way, this is really bad and you need to save the world um, yeah. by destroying it. Um, that's really intense for somebody who lives in the Shire their whole life, a very simple life um, for all of that to be dumped on their shoulders. That is that's that's impressive, and that's a very interesting um, story um, that really drags somebody in, that pulls you in um, to really want to know what's going to happen. And and he takes that on his shoulders in his stride, knowing that Gandalf is there supporting him um, and behind him, and that he will have a, a team with him. Like he really, truly, like kind of takes it and just just goes with it. Um, as, as quickly as it comes, right? Um, so I think, again, he's kind of that gateway piece um, and the stand-in for us, um, unsuspecting and really having no idea what he's getting into. And he, yes, you know, all of these other characters around him are so important, but like he's just so interesting as a character that he is so integral to destroying this ring because of who he is. Um, is just so interesting. We wouldn't be able to destroy this ring without you, Frodo. Um, and that is why we have a fellowship built around you, um, that you're willing to raise your hand and say, I didn't ask for this, but fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, and I find that very interesting as a character. 100. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Zach, do you want to talk about Eowyn? I would love to. So <clears throat> Eowyn, she, she's a shield maiden of Rohan. She is the witch king killer. She is one of the strongest, uh, most family-oriented characters in the entire uh, franchise. And what's, what's interesting about her character, no matter where she is, what whatever is rejecting her whether it's love or because she's a woman she never falters similar to frodo and and the hobbits she's constantly underestimated but she continuously proves everybody wrong she helps aragorn uh, organize all the people of of rohan when they need to go to, to helm's deep um in the return of the king she protects her uncle from the witch king of angmar with mary no other person could could do that. Um, overall, she continues to go beyond. People are setting boundaries for her, and she is just pounding through them, going through the glass ceiling, saying, after this, she's a pretty kick-ass character, in my opinion. Totally. She is a kick-ass character. This is a very difficult matchup again. Michael, where are you coming down on this? <sighs> Well, I came into this, you know, being Team Frodo on this because of, like, his integral to this. But as I listen to it, like, some of the things is that when we're talking about Frodo, Frodo going into this story is not as innocent, I think, as anybody as Bilbo was going into The Hobbit. Because Frodo grows up with Bilbo, hears all these stories, has probably read An Unexpected Journey, and knows everything that happened to Bilbo before he steps into this and still makes the conscious decision to move forward and, you know, step up as a member of the fellowship and do his due diligence and everything there. But, you know, Zach makes some really good points about Eowyn, you know, 
the battlefield outside of Gondor where the, um, the Witch King is just like, no man shall kill me. So I am no man, you know, stepping up, taking out what is possibly, well, no, which is Sauron's greatest general on the battlefield and inspiring all of the armies that have gathered at that point. The, um, the the men of Gondor and the um, the men of the Reichmark on their horses and everything, and just like taking them into battle after that, and giving them the courage to ride forth to Mordor and try and rescue um, Frodo at that point, she does become a, like a real catalyst to these stories. So I think in the end, um, while Bill while Frodo is super integral to the conclusion of it i really think that eowyn is a huge turning point for a, a number of story points that we get in the story so i'm actually going to switch my vote and join team eowyn well, well done zach you've, you've wow. successfully switched <laughs> among, on the great pop culture debate. to do that so, with michael is truly a uh, two towering achievement that is, that is a feat so well done wow sir. thank yeah, you all of my podcasts i've changed my vote maybe two times before this so. wow he is i not am what we would call verse zach no uh nope I'm just kidding. Oh, thank <laughs> you michael <laughs> um I, I unfortunately am not going to change my vote i do i love aowen i think she's amazing um but i think bob touched on this that with frodo it's not just he's on this path that he didn't necessarily choose yes he may have known about his uncle's wild times ahead of time so it wasn't he wasn't quite so you know he like Britney Spears, he's not that innocent. But I think where um, I think he becomes so much more interesting is the amount of suffering that he goes through, and it's like constant, like like almost immediately. Frodo's life is absolute turd rain, right? Like just horror after horror, and he keeps moving forward because he has this responsibility and he understands intrinsically that for whatever reason he is able to withstand this incredible corruption around this ring and he's got to do this because if he doesn't the entire world will end. Like that is a character trait. That sheer force of will it's I the only thing I compare can compare it to is like Green Lantern with like just literally creating things out of nothing because you believe in it so much. I think he's actually one of the most heroic characters in fiction. And as much as I love Aowen and absolutely everything that you two said is correct. She is a badass. She does turn the tide, not just in the, in the battle, but in the books in many ways I'm going with Frodo because there are very few other protagonists like him. And that's one of my, my rubrics is, is there anyone like this in other fiction? And I don't think there is anything lots like Frodo in my opinion. And I get that. And I'm just going to throw one other thought in here real quick, Eric, too. I don't think this will change your mind, but also just think about her importance for a novel written in 1954. The amount of importance, The Two Towers was with 1954. The amount of importance is placed in a character like her. Totally. In a very misogynistic genre at the time, women were not given characters like these, were not given the power that Eowyn is given in these novels. Tolkien could have easily written this as a male character, and that whole I'm not a man thing is great, but it's not as integral to the story. 
making this change and making this character who she is is also mildly revolutionary for the time that this was written. Absolutely. I wouldn't even call it mildly. I think it was revolutionary. So I, I agree with that completely. If she I know was, it's not going to change your mind. But. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you said it because it's so true. And if she was up against like half of the other characters on this bracket, I would have advanced her without blinking an eye. It's just she's up against Frodo. So for that reason, it, it, that would mean we'd have a tie and we have seeds in this one. And Eowyn is a two seed and uh, no, Eowyn's a four seed and, and Frodo is a one seed. So Frodo <laughs> would advance. Uh, the rest of round one is full of unanimous decisions, which proved that actually you can simply walk into Mordor. Two seed Gandalf <laughs> through three seed Gimli right out of the competition. One seed Samwise Gamgee gave four seed Theoden the royal flush and three seed Gollum ate four seed fool of a took pippin for second breakfast and that is it for round one we're going to take a break for and take a quick tour of the minds of moria we will be right back after these messages Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to round two of our best Lord of the Rings Hobbit character debate. Before we get to round two, let's discuss how listeners can keep their eyes of Sauron firmly fixed on you via social media. Bob, how can people watch you? Well, they can find me at DisNerdBob on Twitter and Instagram, and that's about it. There you have it. There you have it. Michael, what's your yourself? Sure. On Insta and Twitter, you can find me at Therax329. That's T-H-E-R-A-X-329. And here's my Therex. Um, and Zach, uh, why don't you share how people can find you? Uh, I'm pretty much all over Twitter. At Zach Deuce through uh, Twitter, and I uh, guest on a variety of different podcasts. The three main ones are uh, Neat Cast Pod, FN Cultured, and Casters Assemble. Most of them are pop culture, but Casters Assemble. We dive deep into uh, movies, riff on them, have some fun. We just wrapped up... Um, all the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. And next up, I think, is Indiana Jones. So that'll be a lot of fun. Amazing. Ooh, That's a, a fun one. And we actually, uh, we did an 80s children's film episode. And, or, uh, oh, actually, it's part of season six. It won't have come out by the time you listen to this. And we discuss a lot about Indiana Jones and whether they are actually children's films, given, you know, the ripping of hearts out of people's bodies. <laughs> yep. and melting faces. Melting faces. Um, you know, the whole thing. But I, I'm ex- excited to listen to that series. So thank you. And again, thank you, Zach, for, for coming and joining us tonight. Uh, for me, you should definitely follow at Great Pop Culture Debate on Instagram and at Culture underscore Debate on Twitter. But feel free to follow at Eric Resniak on Instagram and Twitter as well. That's E R I C R E Z S N Y A K. You should also check out at Great Pop Culture Debate. I can't believe I'm saying this on TikTok, where we will be posting. I know where we will be posting our reviews of Amazon Prime's Ring of Power series every week, as well as other pop culture content. So, if you are not yet following us, please go ahead and do that. 
help me mother uh, help me galadriel <laughs> I, i'm i'm you know, reaching out to the youth all right with do that you, being said do you mean tiktok from return to oz <laughs> i would be more comfortable with tiktok from return to oz Kesha? The song? <laughs> i'm confused yes exactly no we're doing it and it's going to be amazing and i hope that you will join us there so moving on to round two of the debates the panel is currently split on two seed galadriel up against one seed aragorn zach why should Aragorn continue to rule this bracket? Bob, Galadriel's task stands on the edge of a knife. Can you work your magic to advance her? I'm going to have Bob go first. Well, let's we've we talked a lot about Galadriel in the last round and I think that you know what more can we say? Let's talk about Kate Blanchett for a second. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We are not worthy. Exactly. We are not worthy. Um when it you know obviously for the film Kate Blanchett played um Galadriel and everything that you said about her is um Eric is absolutely true. Captivating, you know, completely um you know just in awe when she hits the screen and and she and one other actress um Liv Tyler in this movie like she mm. like and and the both of those actresses like they became these elves it's like they were like transcendent into these characters where it's just like wow that that is Galadriel um and I think you know she is just so interesting um and we brought this up I think where she is pretty much you know you know you can't you I can't take this ring from you like I I need to kind of hold myself back and not and not um, be corrupted by this ring because she knows what will happen um, because she, because of the power that she has, the magic that she has, all of those different um, things. Um, it takes a lot of restraint and a lot of control as a character to reject that, right? And she very easily could take it and she could very easily, you know, rule all of Middle Earth um, herself um, by being corrupted by this power. And, and really, she could fuck over Sauron herself and just take it all for herself. Um, but she doesn't. And that is so interesting and so in so much strength as a character to to, to not do that. Um, and then to just go away and diminish in the West. Um, so for me, I think that's why I would give Galadriel the edge in this um, matchup um, because she really is unlike anything else in this story. Um, I think that when it comes to Aragorn, he is kind of a, a, a character or a trope or a, um, a story that we are very familiar with or can um, relate to other things. Um, whereas I think Galadriel is very different in, in really, you know, what she, what she brings to the table. So there you have it. The only real comparison I can make is uh, Beverly Hills 90210, Kelly Taylor, I Choose Myself. And so um, I, I love that journey for her. But Zach, talk to me about Aragorn. Well, we've already touched on how he is, uh, how great he is for for the fellowship, and just how he, he's a powerful fighter. He's a leader. He's a tracker. Uh, he can heal. He is he is a guy you want on your on your team. He's at the top of that that A tier fantasy character list. Um, Frodo is technically the hero, I think, in a lot of ways of Lord of the Rings, but Aragorn is involved and a catalyst for so many important usually combat scenes within the series battle of helms deep two towers the 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 final showdown you know outside the gates where he just turns and says for frodo and runs off by himself uh because he knows that well we're going to give them as much time he's he's an incredible fantasy character outright with that but 
he is flawed to a point. Um, he he has doubts about himself, not necessarily with the ring, because he also realizes the power of the ring, maybe not to the same extent of Gladriel, but when he is offered, he knows the right thing is to keep the ring with Frodo. His flaws and his, he is fearful of his inability to actually become the king. You know, the, the line was originally broken and then it has been reforged, but only after Aragorn reaches that point of self-confidence that really turns the tide to give Frodo and Sam the the time to go and finally destroy the ring and and bring an end to the series. I, I think Bob made the point that um, that Aragorn is an archetype, and I think Michael made that point in round one. He is an archetype, but he is an interesting twist on the archetype for exactly the reasons that you mentioned, Zach, in that, yes, he's like, essentially, would you call him a paladin, Michael? I mean, he's not got the holy elements but like he's he's a defender oh yeah absolutely yeah. he defends the weak and yeah he's definitely got a man of virtue yeah but like the self-doubt and the like being haunted by his ancestors past and like the repercussions of that i actually find super interesting uh to say nothing of his whole love story with arwen which i also think is really interesting and i thought very um it gave me a lot of like, okay, that's an interesting twist on on a typical fantasy romance. Michael, where are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I actually spent a lot of time thinking about this before I cast my vote in my original bracket and everything, because this is a really challenging matchup of Aragon versus Galadriel for us, because they both represent something so key and crucial to the story, to the backstory, to the history of this entire universe that Tolkien created and everything. Um I I really am torn because part of me is like Aragon, the arguments that I made in round one about how crucial Aragon is to the story, who he represents, how I don't think that there are parts of the story that happen without him. But then like at the same time, when you look at it, um, that a lot of the story, the stories wouldn't have happened at all without Galadriel. And look, we would never would have gotten to the the hobbit to begin with let alone lord of the rings without her and some of the backstory that i'm hoping that we will see in ring of power um for us um so i am torn here but i think i'm going to stick with my original decision which was aragon yeah and i have to be honest i mean i think i have do i have galadriel going all the way i think i may have her as my ultimate winner yeah you do yeah but wow. my, my feeling is Having talked about all this, she is so interesting. She is beguiling. She is mystical. All of those things. And, you know, she brings back she brings back Gandalf the White. She does. And, and there's a lot of things that she does that aren't like necessarily super clear in the movies, mm -hmm. but she's involved in a lot of. And mm -hmm. like historically, her, her story is actually super interesting. Like her whole arc is, is a character from like the first age on. I think it's really interesting. But if we're looking at these two properties, when we said we're focusing on Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, she is undecidedly a secondary or potentially tertiary character. And I Let's think, not go that far. Well, I mean, she's not a, a main protagonist. There we go. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't think that uh, – let me rephrase that. Aragorn is more than your typical butch, slashy, slashy, 
the the brooding knight who will eventually take the throne. That's that that's not who he is at all. And in fact, he's kind of subversive in a lot of ways. He he does not want that, but he he also understands much like Frodo, he has a responsibility to set things right. I think he's really interesting. And he's a one seed. Galadriel is a two seed. Is that correct? Two seed. I think I'm giving it to to Aragorn here. I'm sorry, Bob. You would give it to to Aragorn. I would. would (laughs) In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And I have to say, if Galadriel really wanted to win, if she liked it, then she should have put a ring on it. So I'm. I'm (laughs) Uh, Even if I did vote for Galadriel, it would have been a split. And and she's a two seed, and Aragorn's a one seed. So Aragorn is advancing to round three. That's fine. Thank you for understanding. (laughs) Next three seed Treebeard is currently slated to be felled by two seed Legolas. Michael, why should the Elvish Archer shoot straight to the final four? I'll prove I'm all bark and some bite by rooting for Treebeard. I'm going to have Michael go first. Well, in the end, when we like, and I know most of the people that will end up listening to this podcast, God, most of them will have seen the films and not necessarily read the books. Um, there, there's going to be a pop portion of them, but a lot of them are here that are going to listen because of the films themselves. And when it comes down to it, when you think of it, Treebeard has one really memorable point at this point, and that's the Ents are going to war. And like when they take down the tower at Saruman and, you know, destroy the breeding factories that are for the orcs and the orakai, it's a, it's a, an important plot point and it's great. But Legolas is a member of the fellowship. You know, he steps up and you have this whole, um, the whole story arc of the, um, of him and Gimli and how they become friends. They hate each other at the beginning and their, their developed friendship through the whole thing, which I'm sure is a, uh, is a, uh, parable for, and I'm not sure that's the right word I want to use there, but for people who don't get along in everything that this is the fifties, even in Britain, there's issues that are going on. And he just represents such an important part of the storyline overall for us. I think that Treebeard is great, but he does not even like hold a candle to what Legolas represents as a character, as a plot device in this, these entire stories for us. His courage, his ability and desire to change, even though he's an elf that has lived hundreds of years at this point, you know, he wants to become a better person. We'll use that term loosely there. Um, and he wants to make sure that everybody's successful in this. So I think that Legolas is just an overall incredibly more interesting character than we get out of Treebeard. Well, first of all, you said that uh, Treebeard doesn't hold a candle compared to Legolas. I should hope that Treebeard is not holding a candle. That's very dangerous for him. I do not recommend it. Um, Welcome to dad jokes. Exactly. I'm here. I, I call them daddy jokes, but it's fine. So, the I'm the only daddy here. <laughs> the, all right. No arguments there. So um, I, I don't disagree with you, although I will say of the fellowship, I find Legolas among the least interesting, to be honest. Um, I do think his dynamic with Gimli is the thing that makes him more interesting, but he does not um, excite me as a uh, character. He, I think he's a very useful warrior, but I, he doesn't really get my gears going as a character. That being said, you're absolutely right that Treebeard is a much less consequential character in the story, but... 
the Ents are a wonderful fantasy creation. I think Absolutely. They're, they're these ancient, even by Elven standards, they are completely checked out of the events of the world, but they're also incredibly impacted by those decisions made around them. And I think the best characters in these properties have a tragedy to them. And I think that's very much apparent with Treebird, like uh, Treebird, Treebeard. The Entwives have all been eradicated. They have no more Entlings. They're essentially just waiting around to wither and die. And they're just like, I guess this is life now. And, oh, you know, your world is burning. I don't care. No one cares about me. You know, Mary kind of turns the tide, which is like the point of Mary's character, I guess. But um, it's, I do find something really captivating about that. I think I've used that term like 15 times in this podcast. I'm sorry. But as one of the only non-humanoids on this list, I did want to speak for the Ents, um, as the Ents cannot speak for themselves. You're the Lorax, we get it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But um, yeah, I'm not going to be mad if Legolas advances here. Zach, where are you? I love Treebeard. Uh, he was one of the most interesting characters um, in in Two Towers, um, and I do enjoy Legolas as well. Uh, throughout the three movies, we obviously see a lot more Legolas, and I love his dynamic with Gimli. That is one of the best things that I enjoyed through the movies of two two great actors, you know, having fun with each other. Um, it's a lot of fun. So I'm I'm still sticking with Legolas, but Treebeard is one of my one of my favorite side characters that is still in a very important part in the two towers and what he he does to help uh quell everything that's going on there. But I'm gonna stick with Legolas, sorry. No, you're fine. I will also say we didn't mention this, but like how is Saruman not on this top sixteen? Yeah. Tell me about it. How <laughs> like he is the ultimate petty bitch. <laughs> he is a petty bitch who lives for drama. He has that canteen <laughs> for beautiful hair. Exactly. I don't think I'm totally. Drama. He's twenty-five thousand. <laughs> exactly. You know that the amazing old man fight in that tower. I was mm, oh my living. God. living. living. And yeah. I was just like, where is is Saruman. I, it's an injustice. Faramir is a one seed and Saruman can't even get any scraps. Ugh, dreadful. Bob, where are you on this? So in this matchup, I love both of these characters. I don't, I would not and don't think that either of them would go all the way to the end. So in this pairing, I'm choosing Legolas because um, I was introduced to him in the, when seeing the first film when with Orlando Bloom, and he was certainly my movie boyfriend for that three hours that I was sitting there. Um, and I had a life-size, um, full door-size poster of Legolas, like, full body foot head to foot oh my um, God. and i told you at the beginning oh. and i told you at the beginning of this podcast i come precisely when i mean to <laughs> <laughs> um he can push me anytime so. <laughs> well done i'm glad we found a way to make this blue thank you bob next the panel is currently in favor of two seed gandalf wizarding his way to the final four but i think one seed frodo baggins has the courage and the will to make it through yet another impossible situation bob argue for Gandalf and explain why Frodo shall not pass, I will speak on behalf of Mr. Baggins. So um, I'll go first here. Um, This is a really difficult matchup. I think this Mm -hmm. is probably the the hardest one for me because these characters are both essential to the plot. 
They're both super interesting. And in Gandalf's case, he's essential to the plot of both Rings and Hobbit. Like he's mm-hmm. he's the constant mm-hmm. between the two series, right? Yep. Um and, and I do think you could make a compelling argument that Gandalf is just as much a protagonist of these stories as either Frodo or Bilbo. You'd have to work, but I think you could make the argument. Where I give Frodo the edge here is that Gandalf is, we, we've talked a little bit about archetypes. Gandalf is your wizard archetype. He's he's that character in fantasy. He's mysterious. He's inscrutable. You know, he comes and goes as he pleases. He's OP. And yet sometimes he's like weirdly easy to take out. Whereas Frodo, I, and I mentioned this earlier, I think he's really more unique, even when compared to Bilbo. Bilbo was the conscience of that dwarf party, but Frodo is the heart of Middle-earth. And what he did took tremendous strength of character and force of will, and he paid that price, and he did it willingly. And so that's why I, I, I double down on the fact that I think he's one of the most heroic characters of all fiction. It wasn't just he's going to have to make this sacrifice. It is a prolonged, like, months-long sacrifice and and arduous situation after arduous situation he keeps going and he knows where this is all going to end and he still keeps doing it i don't know if that makes him a masochist but it certainly makes him a compelling character for me um so with that being said i'm going to pass it to bob what do you think yeah incredibly tough and i know we say that a lot and you know i think throughout much of this debate i've loved most of these characters and haven't really wanted to be negative on really any of them um throughout the conversation today so it you know and these two characters are so integral and so important to everything about these movies these books everything i think to your point to eric of gandalf being that through line between the hobbit and lord of the rings i find that very um very interesting for him as a character as well it's very important um that he is that that constant between those two um i think they're both very important and very very integral to lord of the rings um specifically what i find interesting and more unique about gandalf is um you know he he's duty bound in a lot of the same ways i think that frodo is um knowing what needs to happen with this ring and what i find interesting is he's he's a he's a little mysterious he is mysterious he is you never quite know what's going on there but you know that he's you, you know or you feel that he's that good guy in the end right and um and he is and he's working towards the the greater good but he's not afraid to put people in harm's way to to get there um you know and i thought that that that's pretty the pretty fun and pretty interesting you and there's there's still something about gandalf for me as i look at him as a character and watch the movies as you never really know everything you never really know what everything in his mind where he's been what he's doing and I sometimes still always wonder, is he playing a long game? <laughs> and, um, you know, we never get there to, to that long game. But I just I just wonder in the end, like what what he um, what he what he truly what it is in the end. But um, I just find him more interesting. The bitch knows how to make an entrance. Let's let's start uh, there. <laughs> like coming done. into the Shire, hear my fireworks. Here I am with all these horse people, right? Like here I am with the eagles. I, here I am as Gandalf the White. Hello, I'm fabulous. <laughs> so. Makeover, absolutely stunt queen extraordinaire. Yeah, Gandalf. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the he is so like these moments that he has you shall not pass um and you think he's gone and dead um you know one of the the, one of the big quotes as well um he just has some of these big these big pivotal moments throughout throughout the series um as well and you know that 
and let's talk about Ian McKellen's great performance as well. Um, so I'll throw that out there as, as a reason um, to elevate him a little bit as well. Very good arguments. And uh, I may be swayed, but first I want to go to Michael. Where are you on this? So give me a moment. These words might be difficult to come out of my mouth for a moment, but I, I agree with Bob. Oh God, that hurt. That hurts so much. <laughs> oh, that hurts so much. Um, no, I agree with Bob. You know, Gandalf is, I think part of it goes back to some of the things I said in round one, where I, I love Frodo Baggins as a character. Absolutely. I think he's integral, but I think he's just, he's an everyday man kind of thing. And every, he's supposed to represent us. I get that. Um, but Gandalf is something exceptional. He is transformative. He is, um, he's snarky. He's a know-it-all. He is the epitome of what I, I think that like in the Lord of the, the Rings universe, everybody looks up to the wizards that are there, whether you're talking about Gandalf or Saruman or any of the other few that make an appearance in any of the storylines, but they become this epitome of what people want to be. It's aspirational in a lot of ways that they're smart and they're, they're commanding and they're willing to transform themselves for whatever is right and good. Well, except for Saruman, but that's another story. Um, but in the end, I think that Gandalf is just so much more key. And you're right. He, he, uh, he transverse, transverses both sets of stories. He's in The Hobbit and he's in Lord of the Rings. And he is such a catalyst in a lot of those places that, yeah, I think that Gandalf is definitely the way to go here. All right, Zach. Can I? Can I? I apologize. I missed one thing, and I'd love to add because Michael's argument there um, reminded me of this: is that I think at the end of the day, if Gandalf didn't exist exist in this scenario, I don't know as though Frodo would have been successful um, in the end. Um, and I also attributed to as I was looking at my notes when I look back at the star Wars trilogy trilogies and that series of nine films, I look back on it now and I realize that's not Luke's story. That's Emperor Palpatine's story. And I'm not attributing Gandalf to Emperor Palpatine, but there's some of that element to this as well. Um, so sorry. Well, yeah, no, I, I, and, you know, I, if you listen to our star Wars character episode, I, I encourage you to that. do so. <laughs> I make the very strong argument that I was like, Emperor Palpatine is the best character in this series. And like, this is a bitch who had a plan and he made it happen. Like, when does that happen in, in fantasy that like the bad guy wins? But, um, Zach, I want to turn it over to you. So Frodo, Frodo, is great he's likable he's innocent he's the main protagonist we're there with him throughout his entire journey um gandalf does transcend the hobbit to the lord of the rings and even though we spend more time with gandalf in the books and in the movies there still is that mystery about him you know his his magic powers that way they they go from you know very powerful to very to very simple um he is such a big part of the series i love both characters and this was very tough and i spent so much time on the bracket eric when you had me fill this out going back and forth um really it could go either way for me but i i tend to fall more towards gandalf so it's currently three to three to one for gandalf and i'm completely fine if it's a, a clean sweep for gandalf because i think there have been made some very good compelling arguments here i i think bob touched up on this about like arguably without gandalf 
Frodo never even gets the ring. Uh, arguably, without Gandalf, Bilbo never gets. Uh, yeah, the never ring. leaves the Shire. Like he's the entire catalyst for this entire thing happening. I mean, obviously, Sauron is then Zildor, then uh, Gollum, then Gandalf are like the ones that keep this going. But yeah, I think I'm completely fine moving forward, Gandalf. I'm sorry, Frodo, but uh, there you go. Uh, finally, in round two, the panel is currently split between three seed Gollum and one seed Samwise Gamgee. Michael, why do you remain steadfast with Mr. Gamgee? I will explain why Gollum is a better character than those filthy hobbitses. I'm going to have Michael go first. <laughs> so, um, gentlemen of the panel, I would like you like to introduce you to the hill that I will die on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I swear to God. How uh, is this different from any other hill? <laughs> I'm willing to compromise. I changed my vote on AO and I'd like to point that out very much. Thank you very you much. Did. You did. So I am willing to compromise, but I am not willing to compromise here. So, um, and I swear that if this goes the wrong way, I will log out and stomp away from this podcast. I swear to God. Amy. pilot card has been played. They, I, this is my pilot card. Absolutely. This is why I aspire to be Amy pilot one day. <laughs> um, so Samwise Gamgee is, and somebody said this earlier, and I think it was you, Eric, that um, Frodo is the heart of the story. I nearly vomited in the back of my mouth when you said that, because that is not even close to being true. Samwise Gamgee is the heart of this story. He is the conscience of this story. He is the never say die of this story that there are Frodo does not make it to Mordor without Sam. He does not even make it across the river after the Orokai attack without Sam. He doesn't make it out of the Shire without Sam. Sam is the support structure that this entire narrative is written around. Without him, so many things fall apart because your quote-unquote main character can't seem to put his shoes on straight without Sam. Sam is everything that we want to be as a human being. He is kind. He is loving. He is faithful. He is willing to sacrifice everything that he is and everything that he has so that Frodo can fulfill his destiny. You cannot, nobody else. And I will just say this, not to speak ill of it, but Gollum is the embodiment of corruption. He is... He is the, he gets, it takes him about three seconds to be, get tempted by the ring and fall under its power. You know, so Samwise is everything and anything that I hope to, apo uh, 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 like, aspire to one day. If I could be half as good as Samwise Gamgee, I would consider that a life well lived. I will also say at the end that Starting in the 80s, I have had a huge crush on Sean Astin. Thank you very much. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And like Bob was saying that Legolas was his Lord of the Rings boyfriend. Samwise Gamgee was absolutely mine. There was no oh, mine too. God, yeah. please. Um, and here's the thing. I adore Sam. He, he unanimously advanced in round one. And... I'm not at all going to be mad if he makes Final Four here. I think it, it, he is a very solid claim. But I do want to speak on Gollum because if Careful what comes out of your world neck, Rizniak. No, but like, <laughs> if we're talking about interesting characters, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I do think Gollum is fascinating. And I'm not even going to get into, and I'm not going to even use the term 
that a lot of people ascribe to Gollum because there's obviously a, a psychosis going on there. But like I was first describing him like he's kind of the what if version of Frodo, right? Like um, who's to say? Uh, obviously, Gollum sw- Smeagol switched very quickly when he came in contact with the, with the ring. But who's to say that if Frodo hadn't had that ring for decades slash centuries the way that Gollum did, he wouldn't have also ended up in some cave somewhere talking to himself, eating fish heads, and wearing a loincloth. Like Sam I, would have never let that happen. Maybe, maybe, and that's a very good point in favor of Sam because ultimately, like Smeagol went that way because he was alone and rejected other people. Um, but you know, people is hell. So I do oh, no think that, that Gollum also the thing I find so interesting about Gollum as a character in the books but especially in the movies and i will will say like the cgi for Gollum actually still holds up pretty fucking well sure does absolutely it's a great performance and both by the voice actor andy circus and the motion capture and the cgi um it, it really is a fully realized performance but he plays so many different roles in this story both in the hobbit and in the lord of the rings like nobody else fills these he is an antagonist a protagonist a sidekick a threat comic relief absolutely horrifying as an assailant like that's really cool he's also both at the same time believably very stupid and yet incredibly cunning and to me there's a huge range with Gollum that i don't think any other character in this series has he's really fascinating even if as you point out ultimately he is kind of the depiction of corruption but as a reader, I find that quite interesting. Um, Zach, where are you on this? Oh, this this was another tough one. And both both of you are 100% correct with everything you've been saying about, about both characters. Golem has a... He has a character arc, and you see him fulfill so many facets of what we need him to be throughout the book, the books and movies. But... Uh, I have always been a big supporter of Samwise from the very beginning. When everyone was on on board with Team Frodo and how great he was, I was sitting there in the back going, what, the, what, what, what about Sam? Uh, hold, <laughs> hold on a minute. No. Amen. No, this would not have happened. Samwise was always there. He was technically a ring bearer for a, a brief moment. Um, and I, I still side with Samwise. I see the argument. For Gollum, I understand it and respect it, but I stand with Sam. Thank you, Zach. You're Bob. welcome, Michael. Bob. So, first of all, um, it was Mikey in Goonies that never said die. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I'm not Samwise Gamgee, but um, I am with Eric on Gollum, and you know, there's another interesting point about him is he re- he's part of he's part of setting the events into motion when they torture him and, and he reveals where the, the ring would be Mm -hmm. um, in the Shire. And who's, well, who's, who's the better character, right? Who's the best Lord of the Rings character? Who's the best person? Who's the best from a heart perspective? Obviously that Sam, like you want, you want to be Sam and and you feel for Sam. Um, He's probably more us than I made the arguments for Frodo or Bilbo being us in this whole um, adventure. We're the ones that are along to, to observe like Sam um, and protect. 
but Gollum is just far more interesting and far more fascinating and far more entertaining to read and to watch. Um, it, it's, he's just, he's just better in all of those, all of those things for me and everything that, that Eric said with regards to his argument. Um, I, I get it. And I, I think it's a tough matchup and I appreciate Sam and love him. Um, but I, I have to pick Gollum. So here's the good news for Michael is that even if I stay with Gollum, Gollum is a three seed and fro- and uh, Sam is a one seed. Uh, he was not our ultimate one seed, but he was among the top four votes. Uh, so Sam is advancing either way. I think Bob made me realize these two characters, it's actually really interesting that they're paired together because Sam is aspirational for the reader. You want to be like him. And Gollum is a cautionary tale. Like, this is what happens if you're not that guy. Uh, in the Fantastic. Worst- what were you gonna say i was just saying fantastic yeah like in the worst possible scenario you end up like fucking all um and you know like i think that's really interesting and again these books are seven years old so well done mr tolkien yeah Um, no kidding i'm sorry eric just one thing real quick Um, hey amy it's michael you can put away the kerosene we're good (laughs) thank you so we will be advancing samwise Gamgee to the final four before we get to those matchups however in round three we're going to take another quick break for a completely out of place song and dance number with the great goblin we will be right back Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Call all the dwarves, including Millie and Vanilli. We're back with round three of our best Lord of the Rings slash Hobbit character debate. <laughs> Let's look at that final four. <laughs> you like the Millie Vanilli joke? Yes. yes I, I, I've been waiting. I've been waiting all night to give it to you. But, you know, blame it on the rain. Blame it on the rain. All right. Uh, it's Aragorn versus Legolas and Gandalf versus Samwise Gamgee. Uh, is this the final four that I thought we would have? I'm surprised that neither Frodo nor Bilbo are on here. And I'm very very surprised that Galadriel wasn't, but I do agree in those arguments. I think there is a clear weak titty on this mama cat. Um, and I think that's going to go out real fast, but the other three I think are all deserving. Um, so Aragorn versus Legolas. I'm going to go around the horn here, the, the horn of Gondor, if, if you will. Um, Bob, where are you? I'm with Aragorn. And Michael, where are you? Aragorn. And Zach? Uh, Aragorn. Yeah, Legolas being in this final four, this is where you have, when you don't have enough votes, folks, this is a behind-the-scenes moment, when you don't get enough votes in a poll, that's how you get a bracket that ends up highly skewed. Galadriel being where she was is why Galadriel is not in this final four. You are robbed of an Aragorn. Well, no, I guess we got an Aragorn versus Galadriel argument, and Aragorn won that, so... Ignore everything I just said. It's Gandalf versus Samwise Gamgee. I'm going to start with Zach this time. Uh, oh, I'm I'm. It's tough, but I'm staying with Samwise. All right, and Michael. How about we hear your vote this time, Eric? Oh, no one ever asks me for my vote first. How dare you? Okay. Um. 
the thing that I kept thinking about in the previous round when we were talking about Samwise Gamgee, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm also going to play the gay card, is he is the Barbara Hershey from Beaches. He is the wind beneath Frodo's wings. And um, mm-hmm. did you ever know that you're my hero, Samwise Gamgee? You're bringing, you're bringing back like memories from my elementary school and what I had to sing. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, yeah. So I feel as though that is a very important cultural touchstone for me on many levels. But Gandalf is a plot device more than he's a character. Samwise is a character more than a plot device. That may be overstating it. However, on on Gandalf's side, I mentioned he is a stunt queen with no parallel. He is the first surprise bitch. Bet you thought you'd seen the last of me in pop culture that I can think of. So mm, of the two, I'm going with Sam. I know I'll get in trouble for that. So now, Michael, your turn. Samwise Gamgee. Bob. Where's Amy Pilot right now? She was with me on the Samwise Hill, so you you don't have a leg to stand on there. I I I I have to stick with with Gandalf for all the previous reasons stated, and you know, the stunt queen, the the through line, the the character pieces. Like from an icon of the series, he he stands out uh, with Frodo, with Bilbo above the rest. Like he is. He is a a symbol of of these these films to a lot of people, um, because because of who he is as a character and how you know how interesting he he can be. So I have to stick I, I have to stick with Gandalf. And I may get crap for picking Sam over Gandalf here, but are they both one seeds? No, Frodo was the one seed in his bracket. So who? So is Gandalf a two? Gandalf is a two. Ooh, okay. So even if I stuck with with Gandalf, he would have been knocked out here. But I do. Um, this is you mentioned that he's Gandalf as an icon. He is. Um, Swish Embassy, which is a great T-shirt shop that I buy a lot of things from, has a T-shirt that I got from my partner. It is Gandalf with uh, his full like muscular leg standing outside of his cloaks and it says thou shall not pass this fine ass and if you are a gandalf lover <laughs> i encourage you to find that t-shirt and also uh swish embassy please sponsor our podcast so um, <laughs> we have a final two of aragorn versus samwise uh two members of our fellowship we're gonna go around the horn i'm gonna start in the middle of this time with michael Oh God. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick with it because like when I did my original bracket, this is this is this is what I had at the end. I had Aragorn versus Samwise at the end. And I am just gonna let my personal preferences prevail here and how much that I love him. But I, I'm voting for Sam. All right, Zach. Uh, I apparently Michael and I filled out our brackets almost identical because I also ended with Ar- Aragorn and, and Sam, and I also had Sam going as a winner. Uh, it's a tough decision. I like both characters, but I side with Sam. All right, uh, Bob. I'm bored equally by these characters. <laughs> 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 I will be picking Aragorn in this um, because of a, a complete story arc um, from the Lord of the Rings, from those from those films and, and from beginning to end. Um, and where he ends up in the end, I think, is 
the thing that edges him out over over Sam in this scenario. Okay, I, I'm going with Sam here. I do think that he is the heart of that story. He's not the heart of The Hobbit. He's obviously not even around in The Hobbit. But um, And I do think the argument could be said that uh, without him, you do, Frodo never gets to never gets to dispose of the ring. He is absolutely essential. And he is a good person and, again, aspirational in a way that I think um, Tolkien probably wanted these stories to be aspirational. I'm ascribing you know, intent onto the author that may not be accurate, but that's uh, feeling it, reading it. Uh, that's how I feel. So there you have it, folks. Our pick for the best Lord of the Rings slash Hobbit character is Samwise Gamgee. Do you agree with our choice? Do you think we should jump down a dragon's throat? Let us know your pick by leaving a comment on this episode at Great Pop Culture Debate or yell at us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure you like and subscribe for more great cop culture debate content and if you really liked what you heard please consider supporting us on patreon which can get you access to more exclusive episodes merch and the ability to suggest episodes for us to do in the future i want to say thank you to my panelists by the way i have these very fashionable rings for you totally no strings attached Ooh. and thank <laughs> you for listening until next time remember everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion i'm gonna go dance with rosie now <laughs> <laughs>